You're listening to the Lompoc Foursquare Church Podcast. But I'm here to tell you today, the God I wish you knew is a God of love. He's a God of love. And why do we know this? Well, the best way to answer what God is like is to look with almost a microscope at the life of Jesus. Because Jesus said in John 14, verse 9, that whoever has seen me has seen the Father. So how can you say, would you show us who God is when I am God in the flesh? So think about God for a moment. Just, just, just think about the genius of God, who is so big and so vast, there's no way you could even comprehend him. So what does he do? He comes down to earth in human form. I just, if you really study the story, it's just a genius of God and his love and his grace. He sends his son to us in human form so we can comprehend God. If God said, I'm a spirit, let your spirit connect with my spirit, we would have trouble with that because some of us aren't very spiritual. And even if we were, how could we connect with a pure, amazing, omniscient, omnipotent God? We couldn't. It would be hard. So what he does is he comes to earth in the form of humanity. We go, oh, I, I I can get that. Yeah, I mean, that's like putting truth on the lowest shelf for all of us to get to. Or that old phrase, I love it. He put the food down where the goats could get it, you know, down, down, down low. And I said that one time, and somebody said, well, do you know how how high goats can climb? Anyway, so (laughs) he put it down where common folk like you and me could get it. Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father... And the God that Jesus revealed is this. God is love. It doesn't say that God loves, though he does. It doesn't say that God loves love, though he does. That God is loving. No, the essence of God, the God I wish people in Santa Barbara County knew, the God I wish people in the world knew, is is, is a God of love. And, and, And who said that? Well, it's the Apostle John. And you may remember from our series where we talked about the light of the world, we said that John was someone who lived with Jesus. He was one of the disciples. He followed Jesus all the way to the cross. He was one who peeked his head into the empty tomb. And he was one when Jesus was on the cross, he says to John, John, would you take care of my mom? Because Mary was there. And Mary, would you go home with John? And could you imagine the stories that Mary and John shared? See, John didn't know Jesus when Jesus was an infant, but Mary did. Oh, Mary could talk about when she felt the Son of God kick, (laughs) step on her bladder. Come on, come on. What was it like? What was it like giving birth to the Son of God, Mary? And then Mary said, hey, I wasn't with you all the time when Jesus did miracles. What was it like, John? And so that... John tells us in 1 John 4, 7, and 8. And if you have your Bibles, that's where you want to go, a Bible app, version app, whatever, Bible in the chair back. And if you don't want to do that, the verses will be on the screen, okay? Let's read this, 1 John 4, 7, and 8 together. Ready? Go. Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God, and everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. John says, I saw him. I saw him heal people. I saw him 
when the, when the woman was about to be stoned for committing adultery, I saw the love of God flow through him. By the way, the law said that those religious guys had the right to stone her until she bled to death. That's what the law says. But Jesus came and he stoops down where the woman is and, and this, this is good. You, you got to hear this. He, 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 he picks her up. And I believe this. You can have your own video of what happened. But the video in my, he, he, he looked in her eyes. He gave her a sense of value and worth saying, well, whatever happened in the past is the past, sweetheart. Actually, he doesn't condone her sin. He doesn't whitewash it. He says, go and sin no more. But by the way, you religious, excuse me, my Latin, you religious knuckleheads, <laughs> are you guys free from sin? Hmm. What Jesus did in that moment, he let the love of God operate. Let the compassion of our loving God operate. And this is not a Hollywood love. This is not Hallmark love, Hallmark movie. Anybody watch Hallmark movie? Come on. Uh, I, I've seen a few with my wife. Not too many, but I've seen a few. You can usually determine the ending. Right? Sometimes if it's an older movie, an uh, older scene, they're going to meet at the city square somewhere, right? Or in a gazebo. You know, they're going to play Huggy Bear Licky Face, right? And then, and then they're going to drive away in an old truck with a three on a tree and a big old clutch. Come on! Into the sunset. Hallmark. Yeah. But God's love is not fabricated. It's so much deeper than that. By the way, the word love is defined in the Greek this way. It's love that gives without demanding or expecting a return on its investment. God gives love without strings attached. You can't earn his love, but his love is there for you. His love is an act of generosity and kindness. Now, you can see acts of kindness all around our world. And people who don't even know God can be loving. Have you noticed that? Yeah, that's good. They're all good people. See, but what you need to do is, if God is love and God made us, then his DNA of love is in us whether we like it or not. People that don't even believe there's a God have part of God in them. We were created in his image after his likeness. And if he is love, then his very essence is love. So when somebody helps somebody across the street or when somebody donates something to somebody or somebody feeds someone or somebody scholarships someone, whatever it is, whatever it is, that's good. That's because the love of God, the DNA of God is inside of them working. We marvel at that. We say, oh, look at they're so loving. Yeah. Now, the reason is because God is love. The God I wish people knew cannot be unloving because he's love. Can't be unloving. Goes against his character. 1 John 4 says, whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. And the God I wish people knew is a God who's loving and empowers his followers to be loving. Love is a lot of work. Have you noticed? Being nice to people that you don't want to be nice to, that's hard work. Being nice to people that don't like you or speak behind your back or cut your throat, that's, that's hard work. See? 
The lady who was uh, at our soul care retreat last weekend, and she said to me, I have so much pain from the churches that I've been to, I almost didn't want to come to this retreat. And I almost didn't want to come to your church. Sunday after Sunday, I thought, should I go? Should I go? Should I go back? And I began to hear just a little bit of her story. And I I shook her hand and I said, I'm sorry on behalf of all the pastors in the world for the way that you've been treated. She didn't want to express herself at the table because she was afraid that even as we did table work together, that somehow somebody was going to judge her on what she said. Well, if you came to this church because you got a bone to pick with everybody and you want to critique everybody or because you want to be mean and angry, you've come to the wrong place. Because we believe a couple of things. First of all, we love God, we love people, we serve God, we serve people, and people matter to God. That's it. We said, well, is there like a big, long membership test or something? I just gave it to you. You love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. You love your neighbor as yourself. And you serve God with everything you have, and you serve other people, and then you recognize that every person has intrinsic value, that everybody matters to God. I was looking at some uh, literature about the, 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 the social uh, reforms and social activism and social rights movement, and it was really sad to read that there were churches that said no blacks allowed. Are you kidding me? Now, we read about restaurants and, and Rosa Parks and the bus and everything else, and you can, yeah, different drinking fountain. Oh, 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 okay, that's horrid. That's, that's hatred, that's anger, that's prejudice, that's malice. That's everything that the New Testament is not. But could you imagine a church that says, I'm sorry, we will not allow you to come in. Our church, because of the color of your skin. And yet, oh, we worship the Lord, <laughs> the God who loves all. For God so loved the world, he gave his only son, except for people who like rock and roll or country music or fast cars, or drive a Prius, or whatever it is. Come on. (laughs) Come on. I couldn't drive a Prius. I got to smell the fuel. I'm sorry. (laughs) But if you drive a Prius, God bless you. And every time I mention Prius, somebody sends me an email. (laughs) Pastor, we're being responsible with the world's resources. Yeah. But see, the God I wish you knew is a God who is loving and empowers his followers to be loving. And we could say it this way. If there is no love, then we don't know God. I mean, this should be the most loving place in Lompoc. I mean, really, every church should be the most loving church, the most loving place. This should be more loving than, than, than any place you go to to Feel a little bit of love, right? 1 John 4.16, let's read this. 1 John 4.16, and so we know and rely. Uh, God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in them. 1 John 3.1, just a chapter back. See what great love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called now, if you look in the mirror and you say, well, I'm not, I'm not lovable, then you have to deal with this verse. 
Because God says he wants you to be his kid. (laughs) How does any good, godly, right-minded, functional parent take care of their kid or think about their kid? Just, Just think about that. With love, with safety, with charity, with kindness. 1 John 4, 16, and so we know and rely on the love that God has for us. Here's a great question. So what are you relying on? You know, uh, the video we saw talks about people looking for love in all the wrong places. C.S. Lewis said it this way, that human history, money, poverty, ambition, war, prostitution, empires, slavery, the long, terrible story of man trying to find something other than God which will make him happy. St. Francis said, our hearts are restless till they find their rest in the Lord. We could spin our wheels all of our life. We could look for something to fill the holes in our heart. But until we understand the love of God and what he has for us, we could be caught in our own institutional syndrome, saying this God wouldn't care about me at all. Some of you may have seen the book Crazy Love by Francis Chan. And in that book, he says the irony is that while God doesn't need us, but still wants us, we desperately need God, but don't really want him most of the time. There's people that I know that say, well, Lord, um, I love you and I want you to be with me except for Friday night. I got some stuff on, on the calendar, Lord, so could you kind of stand over here and let me go do my thing? You know, I'm going to go have a good time. Lord, it might carry into Saturday morning, so maybe stay there till Sunday. Then I'll bring you back on board with me. See, no, no, that's not it. Or God, thank you. You got me out of this jam. Praise you, but now I can take it from here. Huh? No, 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 no. God loves you so much that he wants to be with you. And believing that God loves me right now, we also have to believe he can't love us any more than he does right now. And some of you have been around church a long time. You go, oh, I, I, I know that. But here's a question for you. What areas in your life are you not letting God love you in? Is there shame you hold from your past that you won't let go? Are there things from your past, attitudes? Is there prejudice? Are there issues in your life that you won't let go? If the truest thing you believe about yourself is you're stuck and you can never better yourself, then God's going to have a hard time delivering you from what you're stuck in. If you're married and you believe this, this marriage is not that good and it'll never get better, then that's, that's what's going to happen in your life. God's going to have a hard time making that marriage become what he intended for it to be. If you're trying to go to school and, and better yourself, you go, well, I'll never amount. Let's just hear the self-talk that we do. I'll never amount to anything. I can never graduate that class. I'll, I'll never, I'll, 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 I'll never. And God says, are you kidding me? Don't say never around me. I specialize in things impossible. I deliver people who are bound. I set people free. I take history and I erase it. I can do for you what you cannot do for yourself. See, love is doing what's best for another no matter what it costs, and that's exactly what God did. It's more than an emotion. It's more than just a word. It's an action. You know? It's not a noun. It's a verb. Love. I am love. I'm in action. I do what I do best. 
by loving people. Now, somebody told me recently, as I was asking people about the God they know, I don't want to give my life to God because of restrictions that he has. I mean, you know, he's a cosmic killjoy. He didn't want us to have any fun. You know, I was having fun in church today back here. Last service, I broke a stick, a big old log. I had a big old log back, and I was bam, whack. I was trying to keep up with Matt. He had, the fingers were going like that so fast, you know. Boo, doo, 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 and boo, and the stick broke in half. And you're going, who? he broke a stick. I go, yeah, baby. <laughs> oh, oh, by the way, you know what God was saying? He's looking at his little drummer boy. He calls me little. That's my, that's my boy. He's playing. No, really. You, you, you think that God doesn't get joy when you're joyful? You don't think when you're having a good day and the wind's blowing in the right direction? <laughs> so somebody said, well, God has too many restrictions. So imagine you're a parent and your kid gets their driver's license and they stick it in your face. Look. State of California says I can operate a motor vehicle. Well, give me the keys, right, to your car. And they said, oh, by the way, I, I want you to know when I drive, I like to use my right foot excessively on the right pedal. And those numbers on the road, the 3-5, the 4-5, the 5-5, the 6-5, the I don't pay attention to those because I got this license right here. And I learned something, that I do my best texting when I'm driving. Yeah. And, 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 and if, Dad, if I get some of that, like, pale ale that you drink, that, that special 805 stuff, you know, and, huh? it calms me down so I'm not so aggressive when I drive. So I just drink a couple, you know, I'm only 16, but I drink a couple of those. And I, what kind of parent's going to give the keys of the car to that knucklehead kid? No. You know what you're going to do as a parent? You're going to set them straight, right? Excuse me, if, that, if that's what you want to do, well, first of all, you ain't drinking that stuff. And second of all, you're not getting the keys to the car. And you might go, well, I can't believe God's so restrictive. But see, all his restrictions are to help us. I mean, what's wrong with thou shalt not kill? That, that's a pretty good restriction. <laughs> thou shalt not lie. When we lie, it gets us in trouble. And we lie so often, we can't remember what lie we told to what person. That's a lot of work. Thou shalt not commit adultery. How good does that work for people? Let's be honest. I'm not judging anybody. Just how to, huh? False witness. Don't bear false witness against your Don't covet your neighbor's wife or your neighbor's cow. Come on. <laughs> or your neighbor's... I wasn't referring to the wife being a cow. I, you guys are bad. I said... <laughs> If you're, a far, if you're a rancher, don't covet your neighbor's steer. How about that? <laughs> or their car, or their job, or their promotion. Hmm. See, the restrictions of God are to help us, not to harm us, to give us freedom, not to put us in bondage. By the way, when you drive on the highway, you like restrictions. You like that person staying in their lane. And you like those guardrails too, because it reminds you, you better not get too close over here. 
See, God has given us guardrails in life, and one of those guardrails is to understand, and this won't cause us to have an institutional syndrome, this will bring us to freedom to understand that he's a loving God, a caring God, for God so loved the, come on, yeah, that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever, hey, listen, I told that lady at the soul care team, you're a whosoever. Well, I don't think I'm that great. I didn't say you were. But God says you are. God looks down and smiles when he sees you. You're the apple of his eye. He says, whosoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. Here's what I know about some of you. Some of you are hoping I'll be done soon. That's okay. Get over it. But some of you are sitting here listening to me talk and inside of you, but you don't know my life. If you put my life on a screen, no one would believe that God would love me because of what I've done. And I, I'll tell you this. Here's what I know. God weeps over you because you don't know his love yet. He weeps over you because you're holding on to your past identity, the truest thing you believe about yourself. I can give you some soul care uh, retreat right now in 30 seconds. You should go home today and look up towards heaven and say, God, thank you for loving me. You believe that I'm lovable. When you look down, you don't see all my flaws and all my faults. Because when you look down, you see me through the filter of Jesus Christ, your son. The righteousness of Christ has been applied to my life. And God sees the reflection of Jesus Christ in you if you've allowed Christ to be your savior. And he goes, that's my boy. That's my girl. He delights in you. And every day you should wake up and say, I am so glad, God. Number two says it this way, that the God I wish you knew is a God that desires what is best for you. I'm so glad, God, that you've gone to incredible lengths to make this happen. Of all the things God could have done, he comes and John tells us in 1 John 4, 9, and 10, this is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might what? Live through him. You want to live? You live through Christ. This is love. Not that we loved God or we had some kind of religious shtick that we did and God came down and said, well, that was good enough. You, you shed your nine verses just right, so there you go. You know what I mean? No, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. That's why I serve the God of the Bible, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God, Father and Son, Holy Spirit, because God says, listen, Bernie, here's the gift of salvation. All you have to do is believe. As I said earlier, God gets ripped off, doesn't he? I get the perfect and pure God, and he gets me. I get the God who knows everything about everything, and he gets me with this little brain. I get the eternal, magnificent God, and he gets me. I get the the immortal, and he gets the mortal. I get the pure, he gets the impure. I get just the righteousness of Christ, and he gets my unrighteousness. And God believes he's getting a good deal. Come on. Well, Lord, I'll give you my life. Oh, great, I'll give you me. You want to talk about a great exchange. You want to talk about God getting ripped off, but don't tell him. 
Because he thinks you're a good deal. And he loves when he gets to pour his spirit into you. See, the God I wish you knew proves his love through the actions of himself in human form in Jesus. Read the scriptures. Read the gospels. He comes and he touches a leper. Lepers were unclean. And anyone who touched a leper would be deemed unclean. And here's God in purity touching that which is unclean. And he doesn't care. Because he loves the lepers so much. And the leper was cleansed. Maybe you remember the story about, uh, about Peter's mother-in-law who was sick with a fever and about to die. And Jesus goes and touches her. And she's healed, which proves that Jesus loves mother-in-laws. <laughs> All right. Some of you got that, some of you. How are, how are you when you're tired and depleted? When you're in need of Sabbath rest? How are you when you're just, your systems are blown? I mean, you're just so tired and you can't like do another thing. And Jesus gets with his disciples and says, oh, guys, we got to get away. And they push across the Sea of Galilee and he falls asleep in the boat. And all of a sudden, the storm, remember? And they wake him up. I mean, he's just so desperate for rest. And they wake him up. And Jesus says, uh, <clears throat> Oh, you of little faith. I mean, he like scolds him for about this long. And then he, I see him with his hands out. I don't know how you see him. He speaks to the storm. Peace. Huh? Peace. Calm out. Be calm. Chill out. Calm down. Knock it off. Huh? And the storm stops. Why? Because he loves the guys in the boat who are fearful that they might die and drown. They forgot who was in the boat with them. Like, this is the Savior of the world? He can't die yet. So it's cool. Let's just ride this baby out. This is kind of cool here. Like deadliest cats. Let's go over the waves, man. It's like jet ski heaven here. Come on. Nope. We're afraid of our life. And Jesus comes and heals him. Water into wine. He's at a wedding. It was an embarrassment for the host and hostess, for the parents of the bride, not to have enough wine. They've run out. Jesus cares enough about the insignificant things. Are you serious? Water and wine, his first miracle? You know why he did that? Well, he wanted to show what he could do. No. His heart of compassion went out for these people. They were embarrassed. We don't have enough wine to give our guests. And he turns water into wine. By the way, all the Bible scholars say it was not fermented. I've heard enough sermons about, well, you know, it's why we drink lots of wine, because Jesus did it. Anyway, <clears throat> I'm not going to argue with you. The God I wish you knew sacrificed his son to show us that he is love. Hey, Lord, what could you do to show us that you're love? Oh, I know, water and the wine. Well, okay. Heal a leopard. Okay, stop a, 
Stop a storm. Okay. Love a mother-in-law. Okay. I'm going to send my son. And it's going to be a reminder to you all of your days how much I love you and how much I, I care about you. 1 Timothy 2.6 He gave his life to purchase what's the word? Freedom. <coughs> freedom. For all of us. You don't find freedom anywhere else. Land of the free, home of the brave. Well, I, I get that. But not spiritual freedom. You can live in, in, in a free country like ours. Be grateful to live in our free country. Be grateful for the red, white, and blue and still be bound on the inside. Still be possessed by your pain. Still believe the truest thing about you is you'll never get better. As opposed to saying, God, I know you have more for me. John 15, 13. Write these two words down, would you please? Greater love has no one than this lay down one's life for one's friends. <laughs> and he went on to say, and you are my friends. I love it. The greatest love is to sacrifice one's life for another. And that's how Jesus loved you. And he gave his life so you could live for him. I say it a lot around here. It's not based on performance. But his love is based on his promise. It's not based on your merit, but on his mercy. It's not based on your goodness, but on his grace. It's not based on how well you love. But how powerful his love is for you. I want to end by uh, telling you a real, real fast story. This morning when I was driving to church, some of you were still asleep. And I heard this whisper. And I, I believe it to be the whisper of God. I've heard this whisper before. The first time I heard this whisper, I was 22 years old. I was pastoring a church. My wife and I got sent to this church of about 31 people and gray cinder block walls, not even painted. Blue and black striped carpet with green pews. Now, if you like decor, if you're a fan of uh, Joanna Gaines or any of, you know, hometown, this was not a place of great ambiance. And I recognized that the people were not really listening a whole lot to me. Now, I can't believe that they wouldn't. I only preached about 11 or 12 minutes in those days. Oh, Wow. And I remember locking up the church and hearing this whisper. I said, I like when you preach. I said, well, why did you say it audibly when those people were here? <laughs> a few minutes. I like when you preach. Now, you have to understand the history of that wonderful church. Every pastor that had been there, the nine pastors before me, had all been rookies right out of life Bible college. This poor group of people had been inflicted with every rookie preacher that we had. And, and one of our most magnificent classes in college was the book of Romans. 
every preacher that came to that church, some only lasted two years, said, we're starting a study in the book of Romans. Every, they just had nine Romans. And I remember this lady, Eileen was her name. And you had to be nice to Eileen because like 11 of her family members went to this church. You got, you got 31, man. That's, that's a chunk of your church. You don't want to make her mad. So I said to her, she said, I know what you're going to do next Sunday. You're going to preach Romans. I was about to. And I said, no, we're going to do a series in Philippians came out of my mouth. And I said, oh God, why did I say that? I had to work so hard because it would be easy to take my notes from my class, book of Romans, preach a whole year. You have good, I did Philippians and uh, yeah, 12 minutes every Sunday. So I came back uh, the next Sunday and, and uh, we were locking up and my wife Debbie was helping me, you know, get everything together so we could go home and, and I heard the whisper again. I said, Lord, they're not listening to me. I'm like 12 minutes and they've already they've fallen asleep. And I heard the whisper, I like when you preach. And I'll, I'll, I'll always stand in the back. Now listen, listen. Because you're my boy. I thought, are you kidding me? I'm driving to church this morning thinking about talking to all you great people, people online, people in our cafe, playing drums with our team and my good friends Holger and, and Matt. And I got to tell you, I, I, I rounded the corner and I heard that whisper. And, and it sounded like this. Yay! <laughs> I get to hear you preach. I said, thank you, Lord. Lord, three times you'll get to hear me. <laughs> and I heard a whisper come back. I like it when you preach. Hey, folks, if you don't like my preaching, I'm okay. Because I know somebody who likes it when I preach. Now listen. Listen. If you teach school, he likes how you invest in the next generation. If you command a unit on the base, if you're enlisted, he likes when you do your job, when, when you guard your post. He, he, he likes when you work where you work. He likes when you drive heavy equipment. He likes when you pull wire, if that's what you do. He likes when you paint. He likes when you make lasagna. I don't know why I thought of that, but he likes when you make lasagna. <laughs> He likes watching my friend Matt play the bass and Holger play. He, he likes when he sees our worship team smile. He, he, he likes when Diane pushes the buttons for the screen. He likes when people serve in the nursery. He likes when our team on Monday night feed the under-resource. He likes when the kids come and fill our parking lot on snow day. I think God, oh, look, my kids are having snow. It's fake snow, but they like it. It's crushed ice that gets ground up and blown out. God says, I can make that myself, but go ahead and buy it. You know, <laughs> I wish it would snow. We don't have to pay for it. That'd be better. 
Hey, listen, when you lift your head to God today or tonight, he likes to hear you talk. That's the God I know. The God I know doesn't want you to stay stuck. And the God I know doesn't want you to look in the mirror and say, you're not worth anything. And the God I, I know is a God of love. Do you believe God is love? And that he truly loves you. Thank you for listening to Lompoc Foursquare Church's podcast. To find out more about Lompoc Foursquare Church, or to watch us live online, please visit mylfc.com.